Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Did you come expecting? Some of you did. Well, hopefully by the time we're done, you'll be glad that you did come. But you know, we sang there, uh, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory and we thank God for the overflow. How many of you know that when it comes to the glory, the glory is nothing more than the presence of God? And the Bible says that we are changed in His image from glory to glory. So the more times that you get in God's presence, the more that God begins to change us and begins to mold us and to shape us. That's why church is so significant. That's why worship is so valuable when we come to, come to church and worship together because God's presence envelops our praise and he begins to mold us, shape us, and change us from the inside out. Aren't you glad? As my wife said, there's things that I could have been, should have been, but as a result of what God's done on the inside of me, he's changed me and made me a whole lot better. Still got a whole lot of changing to do, but praise God, every day it gets better and better, right? Now, here's the thing. When it comes to being changed in the presence of God or in the glory of God or just his presence, church affords that opportunity for us to come and experience that. In fact, Paul said this. He said, as a church, he says, I've come to minister to you. In fact, he was speaking to the church of Corinth. And he says, I've come to minister to you. In fact, I came to you in times past and was teaching you some things. He says, that's now three years later. He said, I came to minister and teach you as though you were spiritually mature. He said, but you're still babies. So what that means is that within three years' time, we ought to begin to mature and grow. So I shouldn't look like I did three years ago. I shouldn't be talking like I did three years ago. I shouldn't be thinking like I did three years ago. There ought to be visible changes and tangible things that God has done in my life. When I think about my children, my son is five years old, getting ready to turn six. If I was to back the clock up three years from today, you know how he would be acting? He'd be acting like a baby. There would be those times that he would whine and fuss a whole lot more than he does now. There would be those times that he would throw tantrums. There was those, those times that he would need to take a nap because he was just tuckered out. He needed to get some rest. But now that he's getting older, he's maturing. He's not talking like he used to. He's talking more legible. He's articulating his thoughts. He's being able to figure things out for himself. Why? Because he's matured. And oftentimes we see that. As we grow in the body of Christ, God begins to change some things. And God has established the local church to be a significant part of that in our lives. In Psalms 122, starting in verse 1, we've shared this the last couple weeks. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. So in other words, somebody just said, hey, that's where we're going. And he got excited about it. He said, it's possible for us to go. He said, it's time. The doors are open. 
churches happening. And he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, the Bible also says this. It says, train up a child in the ways that they should go. And when they're older, they'll not depart from them. So did you notice it says, let us go to the house of the Lord. And that made me glad. It said, train up a child in the ways that they should go. And then when they're older, they'll not depart. So that must mean that there's some, something on the inside of me that wants me to go one direction. But training means that there's correction, there's discipline, there's order, there's structure that helps focus my attention. And if I'm beginning to be trained as a child, there's times as I get older, they would say unto me, let us go and I get glad. I get happy. Why? Because when I go there, I get to hang out with God's people. I get to hang out with friends. I get to hang out with family. And more importantly, God shows up every time we get together. His glory, His presence shows up, and therefore I begin to be changed. And my my wife says, I'm glad when He gets changed. I'm glad when God gets on Him. God, I've been waiting for you to slap Him up. Am I the only one that has a wife like that? So that says that we must be trained in a direction. That also tells me that there must be taught that there is a benefit of going to the house of the Lord. If there wasn't the training of the benefit or having an understanding of it, then there wouldn't be any reason for there to be a pull to go the opposite direction. So in other words, train them in the ways that they should go. Train ourselves that there's a value in the house of God and therefore I won't depart from it. So as I said, there must be something on the inside of me that keeps trying to pull or my flesh nature or the things around me. But he says there's a value there. There's something about that place that causes me to be glad. Now, I don't know about you if you can have some defining moments in your life of just seeing the church add value to your life. But as a father, it's a blessing to see my children grow up and begin to learn who God is, and grow in a place where they begin to trust God for themselves. Obviously, I'm a pastor, but there's many of you that serve in areas that pour into the life of my children, and as a result, they're growing up knowing God and developing a personal relationship with Him. And just yesterday, my oldest daughter got a text from her girlfriend at school, and I didn't realize that this dialogue had been going on, but just a a short while ago, Her girlfriend or her, I think it's her best friend in in, in school, somehow broke her arm or broke her wrist. And so my daughter sends her a text. She doesn't have a phone. She uses mom's phone. But the other girl has a phone. I keep telling my daughter, not until you're 21. (laughs) I don't think that will work. But nevertheless, not right now, baby. But she texted her girlfriend and she says, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that you'll be well, that you'll, you'll get healthy and you'll get stronger and that it will be a, a quick and speedy recovery. And the, the little girl texted her back and said, thank you so much for praying for me. Yesterday, she got a text from her friend. She says, I went to the doctor today and they had told me already that I was going to have to have a short cast put on once the big cast come off. But once they did the x-rays, they found out that everything was healed up and I don't have to wear a cast. This little girl, 10 years old, says, thank you so much. You don't know how much I appreciate you praying for me. 
And this is a 10-year-old little girl learning how to trust God and pray for somebody to say, I believe God wants to love on you and help you out. Amen? I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. My little son, he's only five years old, and this was just a a few weeks back. Uh, He must have heard it from the worship team. But you know there's that song, God's not dead, he's still alive. God's not dead. How's it go? Something like that, yeah. You know, they sing it. They sing it a whole lot better than I just did. But my little boy, he's in the back. He says, God's not dead. God's not dead. He didn't know all the lyrics. He just kept saying, God's not dead. And before I knew it, I turned around. I started laughing. He's like, God's not dead. He started, where he got that from, I don't know. But I thought, my kid could have been singing anything else. I was born this way. No. He knows who he is because he knows that his God is not dead. Right? How did he get that song stirred up on the inside of him? Because of church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because God's presence is there. God shows up. God makes a difference and makes an impact in our life when there's an assembly in a place called the local church. If you remember, I shared this just a couple weeks ago concerning the Old Testament when God established the temple. He, he, he put the temple in the middle of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's roughly 3 million people. And the Bible says that God instructed them for all the tribes to face inward to the temple. And the whole purpose of that was to say, I am the focal point. The temple, the place where the presence of God is, is the focal point of life. Even the people on the outskirts faced in. Strategically, that don't make military sense because you can't see who's coming. You never turn your back on the enemy, but God says, I'll be your guard on the outside. Keep your attention and your focus on me. And we said that the Old Testament was just a foreshadowing of that which was to come and that which would be established by Jesus. Notice what this says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. It's in the Message Bible, and I like just the way that it says. It says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven, in charge of and running the universe, everything from the galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, and he has the final word on everything. At the center of it all is this. Christ rules the church. Now notice this last line. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence or his glory. Notice what it said. The church is not peripheral to the world, meaning a side thing. He said the world is peripheral to the church. So in other words, the church is the center focus of God's heart. And everything else is peripheral to that. How many times have we as... Followers of Christ have gotten so distracted with life and we try to fit church into our life. But God says, 
it is the focal point. And from this place, everything else becomes peripheral. So what does that mean? At the focal point of where God's church is to be in our lives creates focus. And everything else is in the sidelines. That's how God intended it. Well, why would God intend it that way? Because he said, there is where my presence is. There is where you become changed from glory to glory. There is where you learn how to live this life of faith. And there is where you begin to experience my presence. Maybe you've had individuals say to you, maybe you've, you've, maybe you've extended the invitation and you say, hey, would you like, together and would like to get together and do something? And they'll say to you, let me check my schedule. And oftentimes, and the younger generation is more guilty of this than, than really the older generation, but I guess everybody is guilty of it. But when they say, let me check my schedule, what they're really saying is, I want to see if there's something better or if there's a better offer, right? Let me just put you on hold for just a minute and let me see if something better comes along. And if not, well, then maybe I'll do or come along with you. But let me ask you the question. What if there is nothing better than the church? In fact, let me say it this way. There is nothing better than the church. Now, you might say, this? I'm not talking about what is. I'm talking about what God's desire is. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about an assembly of people that are the family of God that he says that is the focal point of life and it doesn't get better than this because here is where the love of God is. Here is where the presence of God is. Here is where the protection of God is. Here is where my salvation is. And from here, everything else becomes peripheral. So what does that mean? It means that everything else does not have the same value as my church. Does that make sense? You realize I'm not just talking about a building. I'm talking about God's people that make up the building. And everything about the local church points to Jesus. Last week we had communion. What is communion? Is that just a religious tradition? No. It's to remember Jesus. It's to remember the sacrifice that he made. It's to remember the power of his blood and what he did for us. And as we begin to remember, and as we begin to put this in perspective, it makes sense as to what Jesus said that he came to do. He says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. One translation says, in quality and quantity. The Strong's Concordance says this uh, 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 by, 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 by uh, uh, definition. He says, it's to be excessive. And I know that's one of those terms that gets religious people in a, in a tied up knot. Excessive? I don't like that word excessive. Well, what about excessive joy? What about excessive freedom? Excessive health and healing. Excessive freedom to worship our God and excessiveness and experience His presence. Is there anything wrong with that? But that's what Jesus said, I came to do. That was the whole point, to assemble my church is so that you could begin to experience life and life more abundantly. But the thing that Jesus said this, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, 
But I have come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So that doesn't mean that it's just automatic. It is available through what Christ came to do, but it is not an automatic thing. we got to be partakers of that. Can you say amen? Now let me give you some studies, some major studies that have been done by some major universities and major institutes. Just to name a few, there's the Journal of Marriage and Family. There's the National Healthcare of America. There's some studies that have been done by Duke University, by UCLA, and also by Stanford. I just listed those on the front end. But listen to these studies. Studies have shown that church attendance is the number one predictor of marital stability. It is the number one predictor of marital stability. Church attendance has been found to help prevent cancer, heart disease, and mental illness. Teens that have been in church regularly are ten times less likely to commit suicide. Uh, Regular attendance helps people remain married and have a better sex life. Man, I tell you, that's worth going to church right there. Come on. I mean, if, if you could say anything, I learned today that church helps me have a better sex life. Man, that just puts a smile on your face. You know what I'm talking about? Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Did you just say what I thought you did? Hey, God made it. God ordained it. And he said, there's been proven studies that says you have better relationships intimately when you go to church. Studies have also showed that uh, you stay half as long in the hospital when you're a regular church attender. When you're a regular church attender, there, there's five times less likelihood for you to, to be required antibiotics. Uh, those that have been regular church attenders have lower blood pressure in those that are men. Seven years more life expectancy. 50 per, 50% more weekly average income in the household. Regular attendance has been shown to create fewer heart attacks. Teenagers that have had regular church attendance, by the time that they are 30 years of, all, years of age, they are making $11,000 more income every year than the average individual that does not. It's been proven that regular church attendance creates less depression. Notice this one. Those families that have regular church attendance produce 300% less addiction to substance abuse. It's been proven that church has moved people from a place of poverty into a place of middle class, meaning that they've stepped up socially. Why? Because God had an impact in their life. And listen to this one. Stanford found this out. There is striking scientific evidence that says weekly attendance is good at boosting the immune system. But then they tag it on the end by saying this, and we don't know why. Isn't that interesting? They did a major study, and they said that church attendance boosts the immune system. In other words, you, you live healthier. But we don't know why that is. Because going to church connects you with God. 
Going to church builds your faith. Going to church connects you to the life source of who God is. And Jesus knew why that was so significant. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said this. If you recall, Jesus asked Peter, he says, who do men say that I am? He said, some say that you're a prophet, some say that you're Elijah. And he said, who do you say that I am, Peter? He said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And notice what Jesus said. He said, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. Notice, the church is built upon the rock of Jesus being Lord. And he said, when you come into the house of God, when you find that Jesus rules and reigns and you make him the center of your life, it says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You see, the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he won't prevail against the church. It doesn't mean that he won't try. But when we're safe and secure in the house of God, with the family of God, building security and protection, the enemy doesn't have place in our life. It's simply having a revelation and understanding that Jesus is Lord. But there's something significant about understanding that Jesus is Lord. Because you can make Jesus the Savior of your life, meaning that you receive salvation, but it's an entirely different thing of saying, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. In Psalms 92 verse 13 it says, Those who are planted, everybody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. Notice again, it says those that are planted in the house of God. What does it mean to be planted? It means to be invested. It means to be rooted. It means to be connected. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, shall increase, shall expand. One translation says, says, shall blossom. Oh, you're just trying to get me to go to church. I didn't say it. God did. I love you. I love seeing you. But God says there is a significant role of value in your life when you make this place a place that you get planted in, get rooted in, get connected with. And did you ever notice that whenever you're planted It creates stability. Jesus made this statement. He said there are going to be storms that come to every man's life. He said there are those that plant or build their house on the sand. He said the storms come. And he says and that house is going to blow down. It's going to fall. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, and great is its fall. He said, but those that build their house upon the rock, the one that he spoke of concerning Peter, That Jesus is Lord. He says the winds will come, the winds will blow, the storms will beat against the house, but it will stand. Why? Because God's church, God's body, God's family becomes the focal point of life. And there's strength in that place. Got a pastor friend that has a nice home and 
lives in a, a nicer subdivision. And on one side of him, he said, there's a doctor that lives over there. And on the other side, it's a very nice house. And he said, there was some construction workers that came into the doctor's house and were bringing in some, some dirt, I believe it was, in a dump truck. And the man that was driving the dump, dump truck had his little boy next to him. And as they were driving in, the little boy said to him, says, whoa, dad, look at this place. This place is awesome. And the dad said to his son, shut up, boy. You'll never live in a place like this. Who said you can't? Who said you won't? It's only because you've been taught that you can't. When you come into the house of God, you you begin to be taught that God doesn't say no. God says yes. He says all of my promises are yes and amen. I know some of our religious thinking and background and tradition has told us sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not right now. Sometimes God says maybe. No, the Bible doesn't say that. You'll never find that in the word of God. The Bible says that all of God's promises are yes and amen or so be it. God wants us to experience his goodness. Amen. It's in the house of God that we begin to learn that God cares about us, loves us, wants us to live healthy, wealthy, and whole. You say, well, wealthy? Well, you know, wealthy is subject to to everybody's circumstance. What that simply means is that God wants you to have more than enough so that you don't just barely get get by. He wants you to have sanity of mind. He wants you to have a great marriage. He wants you to have good kids. He wants you to have a good life. But religion has told us, shut up, boy. You'll never have a life like this. Once again, God says, I want you to experience life and life more abundantly. Now, if you're struggling with that, then let me just remind you of what Jesus said. I'm sorry to pull the trump card out and say, here's what Jesus said. But you can't get any higher than what Jesus says because he's the head of the church, right? And if you remember, they said, Jesus, how do we pray? And he says, I want you to pray this way. He says, pray, our Father who art, who, art, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Help me out. On earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? So then that must be God's desire for his body or his church to be healthy. He goes to show you how insignificant stuff is in heaven because he, he paves the roads with gold. So don't get hung up in things because things are just subject to serve you. In heaven, is there any depression? Is there any confusion? Is there any lack of peace? No. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the life that God desires for us to experience. He wants us to begin to understand the value of the church. Luke chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus says this. He says, compel them to come into the house so that my house may be full. Compel them. That word compel is a strong word. It means to have strong conviction. I have have a strong conviction of the value of the church, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I've seen the value of it in my life. I know what God wants to do within the body of Christ for his people. Compel them to come. Have a strong conviction so that the house will be full. What's a strong conviction? It's another definition for faith. Have faith about this place called the house of God. 
Because in this place creates the ability for you to have life and life more abundantly. Can you say amen? The Bible says to be rooted in the house of God. I don't know if you've got any trees in your yard that produce fruit. I used to have some apple trees. Some of them got sick. But at one time when they were healthy, they produced fruit. But something went wrong. Something got into the tree that caused sickness, and they died. And they stopped producing fruit. Then the last one that I had was one that I cut down about three or four years ago. It was a tree that I wanted to hang on to, but the thing kept leaning. And every year it leaned a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. It still produced some fruit, but it wasn't as healthy. And it got to the point where I had to cut down the tree because the lack of root in it caused it to fall. Having root or being rooted in the church creates stability in your life. And it allows you to continue to produce fruit in your life. I want fruit that remains. I don't want, a, I don't want fruit in my life that's like a roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down. I want fruit to remain to where from one day to the next, from one week to the next, from one year to the next, I can say to my kids, hasn't God been good? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Because Jesus is Lord. I want to leave you with this final thought. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Christ so loved the world or loved the church that he gave his life for it. He gave his life for this right now. Us being assembled, being the body of Christ, Jesus said, I gave my life for this. So that tells me there's a whole lot more to this than meets the eye. There's a whole lot more value to this than what we know. There's a whole, more, a whole lot more to what God wants us to experience in the assembly of the church family. And he says, I just want you to discover it. But here's the thought that I want to leave with you. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, concerning my church, he says, I continually give the word of God in the hopes that they'll grow. He said, now I want you to know that the moment that you hear the word of God, Satan is going to come immediately to try to steal the word from your life. And if he can steal that word that produces faith, that helps you grow in your relationship from God, you'll cease to bear fruit. He says he's going to sow or give the word. He's going to teach you the word of God so that you can grow in faith. He said, but there's going to be cares that come along. There's going to be fun things that come up that are going to be there to distract you and to pull you away from this thing called the local church. He says, I'm going to teach you so that you can begin to have fruit in your life, but you're also going to be tempted by stuff and cares and worries. And every time... 
that something comes to take that word or that faith from your heart, you cease to bear fruit. He says, but there's going to be a group, only 25%, that are going to receive the word and bear fruit. There's only going to be 25% of the people that go to church, that call themselves Christians, that call themselves the family of God. Only 25% of them are actually going to experience this life that I came to give. There's only going to be 25% that actually experience the fruit of peace and joy and health and, and, and provision in their life. My question for you this morning is, are you one of the 25%? Are you one of those individuals that say, God, if it's available, I want it. God, if it's for me, show me what I need to do. God, if it's in the church and if it's in the assembly together, help me understand the value of that. Are you of the rarity? Or you follow the crowd? Are you a leader? Or are you a follower? Do you have fruit in your life? Or you keep asking God, how come I see others get blessed? See, others have fruit. But what about me? I believe that we can be of the 25%. I believe that we can grow and understand the value of a local church and what God wants to do. And it's when we become those people, when fruit starts to show up in our life, we understand the value, that's when we can begin to say, God, help me compel people to come to the house of the Lord. Because you want it full. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to know that wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your walk with God, God wants you to take the next step. God wants you to experience more of Him. God wants you to be so familiar with His voice with His presence, with His goodness. My heart is that when Saturday night rolls around and the conversation begins to revolve around going to church, your countenance isn't, I was sad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But there's an excitement, there's a stirring on the inside that says, I'm glad that I get to go to the house of the Lord. I don't have to be drugged there. I don't have to be coerced. I desire to be where God's at. Because it's in that place that I begin to grow and fruit begins to bud and it begins to show up in my daily life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, my prayer is, is that everyone in this place, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened and enlightened. 
that church is not just something that we go to, but it's something that we are. God, I pray that we would have such an understanding of who you are in our lives and that it wouldn't be, yeah, Jesus is Savior, but that it would be Jesus is Lord. And God, I pray right now that every person would surrender a whole heart to you. God, even I as, your, as a pastor, I say, God, help me give more of myself. Help me surrender more of me to know you more God we so love you we worship you and we thank you for how much you've loved and gave your life for us in Jesus name we all said to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life